We are on week seven of a series we're calling The Good News. And so once a year as a church, we go through a book in the Bible. And so this year, uh, we've been journeying through the book of Romans. And it, it really, we, we could spend a lot of time in the book of Romans. Um, um, th- there's several churches that I, I love to, their pastors are really awesome, so I listen to their series, and I've seen churches that have spent a year in Romans. Uh, John Piper, who I really look up to, who pastored for a long time um, and finished well, they, they spent five years almost in the book of Romans. Uh, and so, but we've taken it two chapters at a time, and so we've got two more weeks left of this series that we're calling The Good News uh, and so today is week seven, and this is a week that I've been looking forward to for a long time, um, getting ready for this series. This is the, the tone changes in the letter on Romans chapter 12. The first probably eight chapters or so, if you've been tracking along, the first eight chapters have been more about this is, this is what the gospel is. It's the principles of the gospel. And that he opens right up with the thesis statement, Romans 1.16, um, and it, it's all about the gospel and what it is and, and just the principles that make the gospel the gospel. Basically, in, in a, I think the best way to say it is God has done something for all of us that we could never do for ourselves. That it's a, it's a last six weeks we've looked at that. Last week, we, we looked at some of the opportunities and the problems with the gospel. Who, who is it for? Now, Doug did a great job expounding on that. Is the gospel for just people that are religious and in church? Is it for the Pharisee or is it for the, the prodigal, the one that is far from God? And, and, and I think, you know, Doug did a great job of answering that question that it's for everyone, right? That God so loved the world, like the cosmos, that the gospel is good news for every person, whether you've never been to church in your life, this might be the first time you've stepped in a church, or you've been going to church your whole life, the gospel is for you. And now today, Romans 12, the tone changes. And the rest of this series, the next, you know, today and the next two weeks, are more about how we practically live out the gospel in our lives. And this is, these are my favorite chapters, because that's, I'm a, I'm a practical kind of guy, you know what I mean? Like, give it to me where I can understand it. Put the cookies on the bottom shelf. You know, like, like I, I, how do I apply? We've learned a lot about the gospel over the last six weeks. Um, we've, we've, we've learned a lot about God. Romans is mostly a book about, about God and, and, and where we are in history. And um, it, it gives us a worldview. It helps us understand our place in the world. It helps us understand God's place. And so in light of the gospel, in light of all this good news that we've received, how are we to live? And this is what Paul says, Romans 12, verse 1, therefore I urge you, encourage you, I'm coaching you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, everything we've read up to this point, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. Okay, so let's look at that verse. He's saying, in view of God's mercy, in view of knowing that God has done for me something in my life that no one could do for me, that I couldn't do for myself, that God, in, 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 the, in the, you know, we talked about this in the first couple of weeks, we had a penalty over our life, a payment that we couldn't pay, we've been found guilty, and, then, and basically someone walks in the room and says, hey, I'll take his seat. I'll, I'll, I will take the penalty. I, I, I didn't do it. I'm innocent, but I will take the punishment because this person can't pay it. It's 
great news. <laughs> Some of the best news you'll ever hear in your life. And so and Paul's saying, in light of that, this is how you should respond. This is how you should respond. And he uses the word to, to, to lay our life down. He uses this word to, to offer our bodies, to give, to give ourselves back to God. And, and I think the verb of the Bible, of the 66 books that we have, that we know as the Bible, the overarching verb that we find throughout this book is the word give, give. We talked about the most famous verse, John three sixteen. You probably know that verse. Football players put it on their face. Like, like this is a famous verse. God so loved the world. How did he respond? He gave. God is generous. If there was a way to sum up the heart of God, I believe that he's, he's a generous God. There's nothing that we can bring to him that's not his. I think God is always giving and he's always giving and he's always giving that he's the source of life He's the source of blessing that like he, he, he can give so much because he doesn't run out. You know, we're used to like limited supply and we've got a warehouse and when we run out of this, you know, when we run out of this many widgets, we got to either go make some more or find some more. But God is the source. And, and, and the overarching attribute of God is that he is a giver. We're here because God is generous. You're sitting in that pew this morning because God is generous. I'm doing what I'm doing right now because God has been very generous with me. He's looked over my faults. He's, 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 he's given me grace and things I don't deserve. He's, he's given me mercy and, 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 and covered things in my life when I was guilty, right? Like we all have this as our story that, that God is a generous God. And so Paul is saying in view of all that God has done for you, this is so practical. He says, you should lay your life down for him. Every day that's how you should live. He, he, he gives us a glimpse into what I think true worship really is, worship. It's showing worth to something. What we just did was praise and worship. We sing, we sing songs and we come together and it's a beautiful thing, but Paul is giving us the heart of worship here because anybody can sing songs. And it's really easy to sing songs, especially when, when life is good, y'all. And life is pretty good in the United States right now and in the state of Florida. Uh, it, it, life is good. He said, but, but true, true worship. He said, this is your response. And seeing everything that God has done for you, knowing that he's done for you what no one or you couldn't do for yourself, you should give your life and yourself to him. And he says, he makes it so practical. He says, surrender your, your bodies. So he's like, I don't really care about your money. We hear, we hear a lot about money, right? He said, you don't really care about your money. Um, you know, I, I don't really care about your stuff. He's like, Paul says, you should give your body. Lay it down. And he expounds on this in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. He says, don't you know that your bodies, they're, they're not your own. They're, they're temples of the living God. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. And so I think it, you know, this is something that I didn't hear preached on a lot growing up in church because I usually, you know, most of the time we talked about the, the spiritual soul aspect of church, that it's, it's kind of this invisible thing and, and we come to church and God feeds our soul and he feeds our spirit and this stuff happens kind of in an invisible realm. But Paul is saying, no, it's very, very practical. It's with this body that God has blessed you with that you worship him. 
And it's more than just songs. It's, it's, it's laying it down. It's offering it up every single day saying, Lord, I'm not my own. In view of God's mercy, I, I want to give you my life. So basically he's saying that our worship to God is more than songs. It's a surrendered life. It's more than songs, and I'm so thankful for songs. And we have an awesome worship team, uh, and I'm so glad that we have this environment here where we can come together, and it's, 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 it's worshipful. We want to sing. We want to lift up God. But, but the real worship happens tomorrow morning when you get in your car and you head to work. Or when you get in your car and you fought all the way here. It's all right. Don't look over. I come to church almost every week. I know I, it's like all hell breaks loose a few hours before we're supposed to get ready to go to church. Like if something's going to go wrong, it's Sunday morning. If a pipe's going to bust, it's Sunday morning. Like if a toilet's going to overflow, if like somebody decides, like it's su- Sunday mornings, right? This is super practical here. He's saying that it's like, and so you're offering your body, you're offering, you're, you're surrendering your life. And, and this is, I love because he gives us the details, Verse two, it says, offer your body. This is, this is your true worship. Don't conform. Don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Somebody say, it's a head thing. How do I lay my life down? And I'm not gonna go into details in the pagan, the, the, the satanic church understands this. And, and there is a presence of that in our community um, and, and there is a church that is, they worship Satan. That's what they do. And I don't want to go into detail because we have kids here, but it's very weird. And, and this is part of the way, the reason Paul is saying this is because pagan worship was the, 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 moral, the, the moral compass of the day. So people would go to church, they would literally give their bodies in, in, the, in the altars of the church. They would, they would commit all kinds of crazy acts with their bodies as an act of worship. And so Paul is saying, I don't want you to do that. <laughs> Amen, right? That's good. He's like, I, he said, it's, it's, it's in here. This is where it starts. The gospel affects our hearts, but it comes in through our minds. The book of Romans is, is it's, it's so rich because it, it establishes a worldview for us. And, and what I mean by that is how we see our lives, how we see ourselves, and how we see the world around us. And until we have a, a solid worldview, we're just floating around with, with nothing at all. Like, you know, so, and some people kind of believe that, that we, were, we just are kind of accidents. And this all happened by chance. And, and, and here we are, and, and we're aware, and we're conscious, and we're in this world, and it all kind of came out of a big bang or nothing. And, and there's people that really, that is their worldview. And Paul's saying that, but that shouldn't be your, your worldview, that you, you're, you lay your life down by having your mind renewed. And that's having an accurate, like an accurate vision of who you are and who the people around you are. And, and the book of Romans answers that. What I love about the Bible, and I like to read, but what, what I love about the Bible is when we read the Bible, when you read the Bible, it begins to read you. And you begin to find stuff out about yourself that you didn't realize. It begins to reveal why you're here and who you are and what you're supposed to do with this life that's been given to you. There's not another book that can do that. And especially the book of Romans does this for us. As we read this book, we begin to understand, okay, this this is why I'm here. 
This is my purpose. This is what God's called me to do, that I'm not here by accident, that, that I have more things in my life. I have gifts and talents, and I, I have a reason to be here. I, I have a purpose that, that I'm, I'm designed by this intelligent creator who had my purpose in mind before I was born. And he created me based on my purpose and what I was here to do. And that's how we renew our minds. And he says, and what I love about this in verse two is he says, you know, don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That word transformed is in the present continual tense. So this is not like a one-time thing. I came, I gave my life to the Lord. I wrote my name on a card. I became a member of a church. My mind is transformed. The, the best way to read that would be, Lay your bodies down, so offer your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, and be being transformed daily by the renewing of your mind. That is really hard to do when the average person is spending about eight and a half hours on social media now. Can you believe that? The teenager is around nine hours. And we're, again, I'm not against social media. I'm not against all that. But what I'm finding is there's a clear agenda in the world right now to just try to confuse people on who they are and whose they are down to their bodies. People don't see gender or their body as a gift anymore. They think it's something they can choose. Paul addresses that head on here. He says, before we, we get into this, you've got to see your life. You've got to see your body as a gift the way God created you, you may not like it, but it's a gift. The way who God made you to be and the way that he wired you all the way down to your gender, all the way down to what you're good at and not good at, your flaws and imperfections are all, are all a part of this perfect purpose that God has for your life. And, and, and when we realize that, we realize that our lives are not our own. We're stewards. I, I'm not paying my life, you know, somebody back for, I'm not, like I didn't put my body on layaway and I'm paying it back, you know what I mean? It was a total gift. Who you are, everything about you, you didn't pick any of that stuff, did you? I think they can do that now, actually. This is crazy. Like they can like genetically, like, you know, you can go and pick different things. It's wild. We live in crazy times. But us old-fashioned people, right? born the, the old-fashioned way, we didn't pick any of that stuff. Or what we're good at, what we're not good at, or, you know, race, all those things, they're gifts. And the best thing we can do with these gifts is Paul is saying is bring it back to God. And we surrender our life by doing this, by, by having, allowing God to renew our minds every single day. Why daily? Because every single day you're being fed a whole different narrative. Every single day. The devil's not giving up. He doesn't take breaks. He doesn't go on vacation. Are you hearing me this morning? He, 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 I mean, he is working overtime. I can promise you. And his, his tools are lies and confusion. He has no new tricks. You go all the way back to the very beginning. He wants to confuse people so much. They don't know who they are. They don't know whose they are. It's just this big confusing mess. And God is saying, it's kind of simple. I, I've created you exactly the way that you need to be. There's nothing on you that needs to be modified. Nothing on you that you need to change. Are you a work in progress? Absolutely, right? We all are. But when we get down to the core of who we are, God doesn't make mistakes. 
And I know we're all chasing perfection, but perfection is boring and it's usually not real. Can I get one amen? amen. And so every single day, you got to remind yourself of this. You got to remind yourself who you are that you were created in the image of a loving God that, that, that doesn't make mistakes and that the, even the things about you that you wish you could change, he wouldn't change them. Because it's in our weakness, he is made strong. And it's in our imperfections where the, God, the grace of God is, is made real in our lives. And we're all chasing perfection and it's not real. He's saying this is, in the way that we renew our minds, I think the primary way is this, this word, it's the Bible. And the more of the Bible that we can get in our heads and in our minds, right? The, you know, somewhere in the New Testament, have this mind in you, right? That, that was also in Christ Jesus, Paul said that. And, and so our minds are being renewed every day. And I think the big part of why that's so critical is because it, it forms our, our worldview, it forms a perspective in our life. How you see yourself is very important. How you see yourself is critically important. Because we can't love others well if we don't love ourselves well. And some of you are like, oh, he's, you know, here we go. Jesus, he, said, he summed up all the commandments in this. Love your neighbor as, and if you hate yourself, and you hate who you are, and you, and you look in the mirror, and you get angry, and you get mad, and you kind of shake your fists at God for creating you the way that he did, how do you expect that person that's living that way to interact with the people around them? I renew my mind by realizing that God has created me the way that he's created me for a specific reason, specific purpose. And that it, the good, the bad, and the ugly, all of it, God uses it for good. Somehow, some way. And every day I'm renewing my mind with this mentality. Every day I'm renewing my mind. And then he, he goes on to say this. He, he gives a description of what somebody with a renewed mind, if we could get in their heads, this is how they think. This is how they see themselves in the world. Verse, verse three, by the grace given, I say to every one of you, don't think of yourself more highly than you should, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has given to each of you. And so how does a person with a renewed mind think? I wanna look at the two polar opposites. Okay, and so Paul's addressing pride here. He's, pressing, he's addressing narcissism. And I think, you know, the, the challenge, the real opportunity comes from the person that walks in a room or they walk in their small group and the first thing that they think is, I should be teaching this group. They don't know how good of a teacher I am. Or they come into a worship setting like this and they think, I can sing better than that. I, I, I think I should be up there. And if you want to be, come on, you know, just say Or they get, there's no grace, there's no, I mean, they, they walk in and they just want to be seen. They want everybody to know how gifted they are. You know, you, you, and this is so practical. I mean, at Thanksgiving, you tell a story, they got to tell a better story. Like, like you can't be allowed to share anything. They got to one-up it. They're so super spiritual. And they give you their qualifications and what, like, like it's like a badge of honor, 
do you know who I am? I'm kind of a big deal, right? Like, the, like their, their mentality, they don't really see themselves. Paul says, no, 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 no. Like, like you know, he says, see yourself in a sober way, be humble, be humble. I think that's one end of the spectrum. And, and when we meet someone like that, we can immediately, we realize it. And then the other side of it, I think the other end is the person that comes to church and they're like, I'm surprised the roof hasn't fallen on me yet. <laughs> like, like, I don't have a spiritual gift. This is not really my thing. I, I'm just here because somebody invited me. I heard there was gonna be some good coffee. Uh, I don't think I really have any spiritual gifts. I'm just here, you know, quietly. They really don't know why, right? Like, they're, they're, you know, there's that end of it. I don't think God has given me anything good. Like, like they see themselves, they look down on themselves. They don't really see any, any gifts inside of them. I, I mean, I'm just, this is just what I do kind of thing. And, and so somewhere in the middle, is the person with the renewed mind. And I think the person that comes in with the humble mindset that's wondering why the roof hasn't fell over yet because they're in the church, that person is in much better shape than the person that thinks I should be seen. That person, like, like and, and, I'm, and, and, you know, the, the data is telling us this now. Like, Barner Research, they did a big study of people that were in church, and it says 80% of the people that are in churches in the U.S. don't know what their spiritual gift is. And, and I want you to know, as we, as we dig into this a little deeper, that this is where Paul is going. Saying, saying, he's saying, you, you lay your body down, you lay your life down, everybody has a body, and then he gives a list of seven gifts. And I personally believe that these seven gifts, every person that's alive has one of these. These are foundational gifts. And I, and, and I wanna call it the gift of perspective because it's, these are more than gifts. These are the way that you, you see the world. And the way that you see the world is important. And what you're here to do and what you're here to contribute to the world is based on your perspective and what you see and what you don't see. And so this is what Paul says. He says, verse four, just as each one of us, each has one body with many members, right? These members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body. Un unity through diversity. One body. Each member belongs to the other. And then he gives this list of seven gifts. Now, if you're here and you say, I have no clue what my spiritual gift is, great. I have something awesome for you. <laughs> and it's called Growth Track. And you hear about it a lot, and it's happening right after service today, 30 minutes, that's all you need to give, 30 minutes, every single month this happens, every week, the first three weeks of every month. And the whole purpose of Growth Track is we've, we have found like 23 gifts, spiritual gifts in the New Testament. The list I'm about to give you is seven. Paul, in two other places, two other letters, he gives a list of other gifts, and I, and I want you to, I don't want to like jump into all these gifts, but in one place, he gives the, the fivefold ministry, the Ephesians chapter four. These are not in your notes if you wanted to look at them. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. We hear about those gifts a lot, Ephesians chapter four. What's unique is that in Ephesians, when Paul talks about those five gifts, he talks about the giver of those gifts, and he says that the giver of those gifts is Jesus. He makes it really clear that he went down into, he said he ascended into hell and led captivity captive and he, and he gave gifts to men 
Five gifts that he, he talks about. And then uh, again in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he gives another list of gifts, seven or eight gifts, and he calls those gifts, he says the giver is the Holy Spirit. And then he lists those gifts, and, and I don't want to list them all, but like the gift of knowledge and healing, and some people have the gift of faith and all, all these things. Well, the gifts that, that I, I, we're going to talk about today very quickly, there's seven of them. These gifts, he said, come from God. It's beautiful. So you have these gifts that came from God the Father, you have these gifts that come from Jesus, and then you have these gifts that come from Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit. And the seven I'm about to give you, and, and I, I, again, I, I, this is my opinion, every person I believe has these gifts because they're perspectives. About eight years ago, it's the way that we see the world. About eight years ago, I was preaching at an at outdoor service I got invited to, to, to talk, at, you know, and it was like the middle of summer. The service started at 9 a.m., and it was 96 degrees in the shade at 9 a.m. Okay, first off, if you're going to start a church, put, try to find a building. I'm just going to say, especially in, in the Panhandle, anywhere in Florida, it's hot. It's really hot. It was so hot. And, um, and so it, it was one of those mornings where, and I usually don't sweat a lot. I was sweating bullets before I even got up there to talk. Like it was so, it was just miserably hot. I wanted to, I don't know if anybody wanted to be there. It was like that hot. And so I get up there and I don't even, I don't even remember what I was talking about, honestly, because um, I was just I, five or 10 minutes into the message and I noticed a man kind of to my front right that either he was falling asleep or something was happening. So he kind of like, he like slumped over and that happens a lot. And I'm not the kind of guy, I, went, I was raised in a church where if you fell asleep, the preacher would come off the stage. <laughs> like, 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 and just like hit you, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, hey, you know, I don't do that, okay? So I'll let you sleep, God, you know, like, I get, sleep is a gift from God. And if you can sleep here, sleep. You probably need it. And so I'm, I'm, I'm watching and there's, and, and he's like, I'm like, okay. And he's sweating hard, face red. So I just keep preaching, thinking, and, and then I notice other people are noticing. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna give you, I, I call this, Paul's seven gifts, he starts with the gift of prophecy. And prophecy is somebody who hears a message from God in the message from God. And I think this happens a lot on Sundays. Like I'll be up here teaching and preaching and then somebody will hear something completely different. And it's 100% from the Lord. I could be talking about red Skittles and you hear something about, uh, you know, about chocolate covered almonds or, you know, whatever. Like, like just, I don't, but I'm just telling you that God speaks to people oftentimes ahead of time before it happens. And I started noticing my, like my prof, the, the prophetic people in the, in the service knew something was up. Somebody that has that gift, they have a discernment. You know, I think, I, think, I think women are very prophetic. They don't have to know a person, but they know a person. You, you hear me? Like, like if, if I trust my wife's judgment on that because she's batting a thousand. It's like you just get this impression. It's instinctual. Well, he, so this guy is slumped over and, 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 and people start to notice something's going on. Well, he ends up falling out of his seat. I'm, I, get, let me tell you, I'm like 12 minutes into a sermon, 
you know, I'm up there. I didn't, I, quite honestly, I had no idea what to do. I, I was like, okay, you know, and, 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 but immediately things started to happen. The second thing that happened when he fell out, somebody, or the, the deacons got and gathered around him and his family. That word service, the second gift, we got prophecy, you got service. That second gift literally in the Greek is diakonos, where we get the English word deacon. What is a deacon? That's somebody that is aware of the needs and they're just there to serve. They're there to help. The person with the prophetic gift, maybe they were a doctor, right? They knew what was going on, but there were people that knew something was up. I clearly didn't. Uh, you know, I just kept preaching. And then, and then he, when, he, he, when he fell out of his seat, we knew, okay, this, we gotta do, you know, this. the deacons ran in, they're, they're around him. Uh, you know, he ends up, we end up, you know, immediately somebody with the gift of leadership steps up and says, you call 911, you go get an ice pack, is there anyone here that's got a medical, that has medical experience? They start delegating things. That's another gift, right? That, that the person with the gift of leadership, they know what needs to be done and they start connecting people with what they need to do. That's a gift. It's a perspective. And then, so, so, so the ambulance is called, they're on their way. And then immediately I noticed there were some people that came up and started just encouraging his wife and talking to him. It's gonna be okay. Everything's gonna be fine. Hey, it's, 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 it's 110 degrees out here. He probably got too hot. The, that's, that's a gift. Encouragement. You know, some translations call it ministry, but it's, it's, to, it's to get alongside people and, and inject courage into them when, they're, when they fall out of their seat during church. <laughs> like, 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 you know, again, nobody had to think this up or work it up. They just naturally began to gather around him. You know, another one of the gifts that I noticed that the person that was generous, they, they, they want to go and get something for him. Let's bring him a gift. You know, like, like, let's, let's give him some ice. Let's do this. Let's do that. But, but what was beautiful about what happened is that all the gifts that Paul demonstrates, the last one is the gift of mercy. And that was when the paramedics came in. And they came in with the stretcher. And I, you know, I think mercy in the medical field go hand in hand. People that are nurses and caregivers and doctors and, and all, I mean, I mean, we, they are gifts to this world. And they minister mercy. And so these paramedics came in and they, they put them on this. And, so me, and then I finally got the download and I was like, all right, we're gonna stop and we're gonna pray. I'm up there, try, like, like I, did, I, I just didn't know what to do. I was like, do I just stop? And, and this happened all so quickly. I don't know if they had an ambulance, like, on standby out here. It was on, it was on the beach. But anyways, they come in, they load him up, paramedics take him out. We, we, the whole time, that I just stopped everything. I was like, we're going to pray for him. We, we prayed. He was out. I think I finished the sermon. I, I got a, I, I'm pretty sure I did. And then, but this was the, the crazy thing. So after, after the message, you know, it just all happened so fast. I walk out and they, they have him in the ambulance and he's conscious now. And, he's, and I went and, and talked to him and he stood up. He said, preacher, that message was so good. I fell out in the spirit right in the middle of it. <laughs> I, said, I was like, all right. <laughs> oh, man. But uh he still had to go and see the teacher. He went and seen the doctor, okay? 
And they took him to the hospital, and the, the doctor, the one that knew, you know, what, gave him some things he needed to do. He was actually had a stroke in the service. And it wasn't until they got to the doctor who was able to tell, you know, he probably gave him some things he needed to do lifestyle-wise, and probably said, you need to attend a church that has air conditioning. <laughs> so, <laughs> but the, the, the beauty of that was how it all happened so fast. And each person that responded to this, this man, this guy in need, was all a part of him getting better. They, and, and it wasn't something they had to work up. It was just they naturally kicked into gear. It was a perspective thing. The prophetic person knew something was up. They knew something was wrong. And it may have just have been so they could pray for him. Sometimes if, if you have that gift which is a critical gift, all three lists mention that gift. Paul said about prophecy, if you desire any gift, you should, you should desire to prophesy because it's, it's a knowing in your gut. It's, it's just, and, and sometimes we, you know, we've seen that gift so badly abused that people that really have that gift are afraid to even speak it sometimes. And God can give you a message, and it doesn't mean it's supposed to be, thus saith the Lord, and throw it on Facebook. That you might have a discernment about something, a message from God, either about yourself or someone else, and it could just be so that you can pray for that person. And then serving, we see that every day. Somebody made the coffee, somebody cleaned the restrooms today. Like, like the gift of service is just being able to get in and see the need and, and feel the need. All of these, you know, teaching is, you know, that, that's a, a critical gift. Encouragement, that's a critical gift. Giving, like all of these are critical gifts. And, and I want you to know that sometimes we can come to church and it looks like that, that we don't, there's no, there's no needs here, everything's covered. And I'm telling you that we need you to operate in your gift. That is my job, I believe, beyond anything. I mean, I really enjoy teaching the Bible, but I think my job is, is to find, help you find what your gift is and to put you in a place where you can use that gift. I'm not gonna ask you to do something that God hasn't gifted you to do. I'm not gonna ask the prophet to teach. I'm not gonna ask the person that has mercy to, to, to give. They may not have any money to give, but they have a lot of mercy to give. And I, and I want you to see that what you have to offer, most likely you have had this perspective your whole life, even when you were a little kid, because it's a gift from God. You're wired that way. You didn't earn it, it's just the way that you are. And that's why somebody maybe that's a teacher walks in and sees what's wrong with the whole room, because they wanna help fix stuff. Right? They, they want to help. Hey, this is why this isn't working. You need to do this. Like, right? and, and, and we can think that's a curse, but a lot of times it's a gift. Or you don't have any words to say, but you just feel called to somebody's side. I can't tell you how critical that is. That's somebody, you may just be there to show mercy and to go through something with somebody and not say one word, not one verse, not one scripture, not one song. You're just there. And that's what you want to do. I've been, you know, going to the hospitals for a long time for me, was, I was really nervous going and seeing people because I thought I had to go there to do something. Like I had to fix them. And I found out, you know, I'm figuring out that the main role of uh, to, when you go and see somebody that's going through something, you're just there to be a lot of times. 
You're not there to do anything. The doctor's coming in and doing their job. The nurse is coming in and doing their job. The tech is coming in and doing their job. Everybody, if you go to the hospital and you're there for 12 hours, six people usually see your room, you on average, and they're all coming to get something from you. They all want something for you. Like, here, take this. Here, I'm gonna stick you with this. Here, the, you know, like they're, they're all, in it. and then just being with people is a lost ministry. And you may feel like, I have nothing to give. I have nothing to give. I don't have any gifts. No. Are you alive and have a pulse? Because you have something to give. And what I love about this list of gifts is there's no top gift and bottom gift. Everyone is essential. And he compares the, or y'all come up here and start playing so I stop. He compares, the, 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 he compares these gifts when they're working right to the human body. Now, I want you to catch this. He compares these gifts, all these, this, these seven lists. He says, seven, this list of seven, it's like the human body. And when the human body is functioning right, it actually can begin to heal itself. That, that the, 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 this, this life of your body, there's things that, that, that you don't even have to go to the doctor for at times when your body's healthy. It protects it. There's immunity that's there when your body's all working like it should. It protects you from diseases and viruses and all this stuff that, you know, like, like when the body is operating the way the body needs to operate, miracles happen. The human body itself is a miracle. I think science attests to that. It's crazy what these bodies are able to do. And when we see them as a gift from God, Paul is describing this to a healthy church. Every person has a place. Every person's using their gift. And and the thing about a body is everything on you has a purpose. If something pops up on your body that doesn't have a purpose, we have a name for that. It's a tumor or it's a cancer. It's something that's not good. And I want you to hear this. I want you to hear this. God has a place for you to give back. And God has put gifts in you and they're not so much so that you can use them for yourself as they are to help the people around you in your world. That's what they're for. And he wired you to see things that other people don't see He's created you with a perspective that maybe not everybody has because that's where your place is to serve. That's what you're called to do. And so then Paul goes on and he, and he talks about, we're not gonna read it. He talks about the government and then he talks about enemies. He's like, I want you to just, you know, he's, he talks about how, you know, obeying the laws of the land and, and paying taxes, all stuff that I don't like taxation is theft, in my opinion, but, uh, you know, Paul, Paul says we should pay our taxes, right? It's, it's nice to have good roads and street lights at work and all this stuff. He's like, pay, pay your taxes. And then he talks about enemies. He's like, you know, those that hurt you and persecute you, this is how I want you to respond. It's not an eye for an eye. It's not a tooth for a tooth. He says, no, 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 no. I want you to love that person. Why does he do that? Why does he say that right after giving a list of gifts? Because I think it's really easy to help people that we like. And it's really easy to serve people that we love. And it's really easy to help people and serve people that like us. 
Paul's saying, I want you to have a different mentality. I want you to treat other people the way that you wanted to be treated because at one point, we, me, we were enemies of God. And he's like, he said, it's, it was the goodness of God that led us to repentance. He's like, I want you to be that for the people that are in your life. And when I talk about enemies, I don't wanna talk about these fabricated enemies that we see on CNN and Fox every day, right? We know we're in a world at war. I'm talking about the people that you don't want, you try to like avoid on Monday morning at work. And you know they're probably lying about you and they're out to get you, right? How do we treat those people in our lives? I think this is very, very practical because the renewed mind, the renewed mind says, no, no, they're an image bearer. You know, I, I'm, 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 gonna, I'm gonna do my best to love these people where they are. And that's what the gifts are for. That's what your gift is for. That's why God created you the way that he created you. That's, that's why you see the world the way that you see it, uniquely. There's never gonna be another you. And so the gospel invites us into this living where we get to see the kingdom of God established in our everyday lives, in our conversations at work, at home. That's the people that oftentimes it's hardest to love. And so our gifts, the last thing I'll say, the gifts that God has given us are not so that we can be heard, but it's to heal. Because there's somebody that needs you to step into your calling and your gifting. It's, it's more than just you. There's somebody that needs you to be able to step up to the plate and say, oh, you know what, I, I'm, going to, I'm going to answer the call. And as practical as I can make this, it could just be staying a few minutes today and going through Grove Track. Or this Sunday night, there's the Grove Track University where you get all the steps. But I promise you, you will leave Grove Track and you will know exactly what your spiritual gifts are. You'll know exactly what they are. And, and the cool thing about you know, our bodies is with muscles, the more that we use them, right, they get, they get bigger. And, 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 but if we don't, like if we just tie a hand behind our back and we don't use it for a couple years, it begins to atrophy. I want you to hear this, that God, God has things for you. Like maybe, maybe it's just you haven't used that gift in a long time. I'm, I'm asking you to ask God, Lord, where, where can I get in? Who can I serve? Where can I use these gifts? Because we need you. I think the world needs you. The community needs you. I know here at Upper Room, we really, really need you. So this is all. I want you just to bow your head. We're going to pray together. Father, we just thank you so much. We thank you for your mercy and your grace. Lord, we thank you that you've gifted every person with unique gifts. Unique gifts. So that they can be fulfilled when they use those gifts. But not only that, so they, they can reach a world around them. They can be a part of someone receiving a miracle, receiving healing, being helped by you. They can be a vessel, Lord. So help us every day, God, to, to renew our minds. Remind us that, that we are created in your image. Remind us that we are your image bearers. Remind us, Lord, that you didn't save us for us to, to not do anything, but you saved us to send us out, to be our hand, to be your hands and your feet. And Lord, I just, I just pray 
that every person, God, every person in this space right now, if they don't know what their gifts is, that, that the Holy Spirit would just light those things up in their heart and life. Lord, that we would know what we're here to do, know whose we are. And Lord, help us connect our gifts, the gifts that you've given us to needs in our community. Help us see those. And we just thank you so much. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen.